this morning. Ryan, were there any copies of the outlines back there? There's two left. Does anybody, I have one copy on the platform. Does someone need a copy of the outline for tonight? Anybody? Right, Ryan, right next to you right there. Let me give that to them there. Perfect. Got one left. Works out just right. All right. And so now I won't be able to follow along, but that's okay. We'll figure out where we're at and all of that. And so we're in Romans chapter number 12, and let's start reading, looking at verse number 2. Actually, verse 3. The Bible says, for I say, oh, there were some on the side. I was just teasing. I don't really need it. Oh, thank you. I, sometimes I have it because sometimes I get thrown. But Jay did me a favor a few weeks ago. I think Jay is starting to read my mind a little bit and how it works. It's not very hard to figure out how my brain works. Sometimes one, two, A, B, C, they just go all over the place. So I don't think you've been putting A, B, C, one, two, three. And that's great because it just makes up for whatever I'm off in my head. So I think he figured me out. And uh, so I was like, that's a smart move right there because sometimes I don't remember if it was A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, Z, Y, whatever the case may be. And so we read verse number 3, For I say through the grace given unto me, every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Let's keep reading verse 6, and let's, we're going to actually go down to verse number 11 or 12. The verse number 6 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. And he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes we have here tonight in this passage of Scripture that we look at. And I pray that you'd be pleased and glorified and help us tonight as we go through these verses and finish up on some things that we talked about this morning as we dive into our new year and as our theme of one another, when we get this passage this evening that we've studied this morning and now tonight about being members one of another, and I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm just going to review super quickly and jump right into new things. We saw right away that there's a warning here to believers in verse number 3. Verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And this warning to the believers is it's because of this faulty thinking that we get, where we get this idea that we are something that we're not. Right there in the middle of that verse, to every man is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. One of the things that that tells me is that men, ha men have this thing, men, women, we have this thing of thinking more highly than ourselves than we ought to think. That's why he's telling us don't do that. And inside of each of us is a very easy thing for us to build up self and for pride to creep into the things that we do. And the Bible makes it very clear that only by pride comes contention. You have marriage struggles. You have struggles in a church. You have struggles in relationships. Pride is always the basis of those things. Because only by, the Bible's clear. It doesn't say sometimes it's by pride. The Bible says only by pride comes contention. 
So any contention that we have with a personal relationship, pride is always the issue behind it. And that's what the Bible says, not Brian. The Bible says that. And so we have this faulty thinking. The Bible warns us for, uh, the Bible says, for if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. And you've got to realize something in that faulty thinking. We forget the fact that everything we have and every good gift and every perfect gift, the Bible says, is from above. It comes from God. Everything we have in life, any of the gifts that we have, anything that God does in our lives and the working, it's Him working. That's why the Bible makes it clear in John chapter 15, hey, you can do nothing without me. We need the Lord. That's why the Bible is so clear that we need to abide in Him because church, without the Lord, we can do nothing. And what happens is we get this thought, this thought that we are superior in some way, and we get that pride building up inside of us when God wants us to realize, hey, don't forget the fact, you're nothing without me. What makes us special, what really works, and what happens is it's what God is doing. And Paul said it in other passages that we've studied in the past, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's only by his grace we are what we are and nothing more. When you say, well, I've built this life. You did not build nothing. The fact that you breathe is a gift from God. The fact that you have the talents and abilities that we're going to look at tonight, they all are a grace, a gift from God to us. So anything we have is all because of him. And when we get prideful, we forget where everything comes from. And don't ever get to the point where you're prideful and where you think you've achieved something. It's the Lord who achieves it in us. And by, it's only by His grace. Don't ever get thinking highly of yourself. That's when we get in trouble. When we start getting confidence in ourselves and start thinking something of ourselves, you better be very careful. Not one time have I seen God deal with pride in a good way. It's always bad things happen. God resisteth the proud. You want to see God work in your life? You better be a humble person. God giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And so we see this thing as we talk about members one of another. We see, number one, the fact here of the warning to believers, and it's this faulty thinking and forgetting how everything comes from God. And then number two, we see the wonder of believers. And in this wonder of believers, we think about the uniqueness of each member. And it says, verse number four, for we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. And when we look at that, and as we study that, we think of the uniqueness of the body. So here, Victory Baptist Church, it's a local body of believers. But the body has many members that are a part of it. Just as your body, your physical body tonight, there are many things that make up your physical body. A bunch of things, and you don't even understand it all. The cells inside and everything else, your hands, every, you just list it, you go on for, and you think about how complex a body is, only God could create that. And I don't see how people don't get that, but that's not for me to figure out tonight. But just as our bodies are uniquely and wonderfully made, God has done the same with the local church and the mystery, we talk about the mystery of the body of Christ, as we talked about in the book of Ephesians, and sometimes you look at it, you say, well, my role is, I don't feel that I have, you have a place. Hey, if God has called you to this by believers, Joe, if you could put up on the screen um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 18 through 20, the last part of that passage there. 
If you put that up on the screen for me, you got to remember something. God has placed you within the body. If he's placed you here and this is your church, you have a place. And you are important in your place. And no one can fulfill um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 18 to 20. So it was 14 through 20, but 18 through 20. And, uh, but you think about this. You are important. No one, if God places you in this body, no one can do what you're supposed to do. That's the truth. You are placed here. You, and the Bible says, look at verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. God looks at Victory Baptist Church and says, what does Victory Baptist Church need to fulfill my will for them as a local body? And God says, I'm going to place this person there and this person there. I'm going to bring this family there and I'll bring this family there and I'll bring all these people together and they are, and I'm going to, and they are going to, they're going to be the ones that make up that body. You might say, well, I don't know if I like so-and-so. That's not your job to figure out. What if this finger doesn't like my pinky on this hand? Who cares? They got to work together, okay? And you say, well, that's funny. Your body has to work. It does have to work together. Just as the body of Christ, the local church should be working together. But when we have this disunity and this, this uh, disharmony and things, the work of God can't go the way it's supposed to be. And yes, when you have a body of believers and so many members of that body, there's going to be tense times. We're not perfect. There's going to be times where we don't agree on every little detail. You might think this, someone else might think that, and someone else might think something else. But if we are going to do the work of God and do what God's called us to do, we've got to be unified, and the unifier that should unify us is this book right here. It should be the sole thing that we follow and that we go after. And you got to, so tonight, you've got to understand the uniqueness of the body. You are important. You have a spot, you have a role that no one else can fill in Victory Baptist Church but you. If you're not fulfilling your role then there are a lot of other people that got to try and fill in the cracks that could never do what you could do if you would do your role that God's given you. And I could go on probably days talking on that subject. But the uniqueness of everybody is important. No one should ever feel that they're not important. You are important. About the uniqueness of each member. We talk about the unity of the whole body. And it says there, for we... For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. And the only way things work around here right is when we're working together, doing the same thing. Watching football today, and I watched a little bit of it because, like I said, my wife made me watch football today. And uh, that's not true. I can't say that and be honest. Uh, It'd be nice if she made me watch football. No, she's like, you can turn that off now, but she never tells me. I've never come home, she's like, hey, why don't you just turn on the TV and watch football? I've never heard that said. And so, oh, you did tell the boy, see, I'm training you, I'm getting, you're figuring it out. It's only taken going on 14 years, but you're starting to figure it out. But she never says that when the Chargers are on. The Vikings are on, she says that today, so... There's still a little bit of love there for the Vikings, and it's okay. It's all right. I'll allow that every once in a while. But anyways, but teamwork. The guys on the field have to be working together. If they don't, there are a lot of issues. I saw last night, just because 
I was checking Sports Center because she wanted me to check it. No, but I was just looking at Sports Center just to see how the day in sports went and to hear the Patriots lost. And, you know, that just thrilled my heart just a little bit. I said, why do you want the Patriots to lose? Because they've won enough. I don't feel bad for them. You win more than enough. It's time to move on from that. But there, they mention a basketball player named Kevin Love. He plays on the Cleveland Cavaliers now. He was on there when the team was really good and they had LeBron and they won a championship together. Well, they said that the guy really wants out. So they showed him on the court yesterday with all the other teammates. There are four other guys and himself. And he walked up court as they already had the ball in the front court. He took forever to get up court. He gets up there and he's waving at them and doing this, give me the ball. The guy is ignoring him. The guy finally gives him the ball. He takes the ball and throws it to the other guy almost out of bounds. And then he's getting all, he's not being a team guy right now. That's how we operate in the local church as well. We're supposed to, this is supposed to be teamwork. We're supposed to be working together. Working together for what? For the cause of Christ, for the gospel, and to do the work of God, to be doing those things. And unity is important. We use the example today of the instruments playing different songs and the song leader leading a song. It just doesn't work. If everyone's on their own page, how can there be unity doing the things of God? But that's how a lot of churches run. And we can't do this thing. We cannot all be doing our own thing. God places leadership in places, and we need to work together, and those things got to be a certain way. And so when we talk and we see in this passage about unity, and as I mentioned this morning, our relationships in the body and our response, there's two things in this thing about unity. First of all, our relationship in the body. And each of us, each individual member, put together, make up the body of Christ. And as a body, our relationship to one another should be defined by love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. And our relationships in the body should be based on that. When the world looks at a church, they should not see how other secular organizations are ran or how a government is ran or anything else they should see there's something different in a church because it's the church of the living god that is doing their best to follow him and yes you have a lot of people and a lot of members and a lot of different ideas on things but we can come together for a common cause and love others and show the presence of god to everyone that walks in these doors we see our relationship in the body and then also our responsibility. We see it at the end there. It says, and every one members one of another. Each member should not only, we are supposed to contribute to these things. And what happens is what happens when strife develops among church members, when each member seeks to pursue his or her own selfish desires, the church cannot function the way God designed it to function. Each member has the potential in a church to help a church or to hurt a church. Every member has the option of being a burden or being a blessing. So important. We've seen the warning that was given. We've seen the wonder of believers. Now we're going to get to number three and lastly from the morning's message. That was our review to get to tonight. We see the work of the believers. We see the work of the believers. God's plan for the unity of the church can be realized when the believers properly carry out their work that God's given them. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? Look at chapter 12 here, verse number 6. Having then gifts differing, according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion 
of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And what we see here is we see these talents we possess are useful in helping us figure out the jobs that God has for us within the local church. Every one of us has different gifts that God gives to us. And when you get saved and the Holy Spirit, you, Holy Spirit of God moves in, you say, I think God skipped me when it came to those spiritual gift things. No, God did not skip anyone. God gives us spiritual gifts. And some people might be multi-talented, some people might have one thing, but God gives us those things. And what we're supposed to be doing is, we're not supposed to be, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1, we're not supposed to be ignorant concerning the spiritual gifts that God's given us. Because the spiritual gifts that we have, we are supposed to use those things in ministry and to do the work of God together. That's what it's about. And as you read through the New Testament, you see there are two different types of spiritual gifts. I'm going to break this down because sometimes people get confused on these things. The two different types of spiritual gifts that are found in the New Testament are temporary sign gifts and permanent edifying gifts. There are two different types of gifts that are shown. When we talk about, I'm only going to take a minute to talk about the temporary sign gifts for a minute. And, they, and I've heard, I've met people and they ask me, do you have the gift? Yeah, I got the gift. Like, oh, you speak in tongues. No, I don't speak in tongues. You don't have the gift. I said, I do. The gift of God is eternal life. I got the gift. They don't like that answer. Like, well, how do you know you've got that gift? A lot of times they'll use the speaking in tongues as a big one. And there are a lot of churches out there, or so-called churches, that believe in this thing of speaking in tongues. A couple of things you've got to remember when it comes to speaking in tongues. Number one is, when it talks about them speaking in tongues, that word comes from a Greek word which means language. It was not a gibberish. And there was no foaming at the mouth and rolling around on the floor. That person might have rabies. I'd be more concerned about that than them having the gift of being able to speak in tongues. But what I want you to understand is those miraculous gifts such as healing and speaking in tongues were given to validate the gospel message to the Jews during that time. The Jews, the Bible said, required a sign. And so as we look at that, I want you to see a few verses. 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 12. Truly the signs... What verse is that? That's 2 Corinthians 12, 2. I was looking for verse number 12. Is there no 12? Probably wrote down the wrong thing. My bad. So 2 Corinthians 12, 12 says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22. Do you got that one there? It says, Whether tongues are for a sign, it says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. And unbelieving Jews who questioned the gospel were able to hear the message in their own language or see someone bitten by a snake healed, and these validated the gospel message for them. Hebrews 2, verse number 3 and 4. The Bible says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them which heard them, God also bearing them witness both with look signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit 
according to his own will. And so, 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 22. For the Jews require a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. There were some temporary sign gifts that were given. And these gifts ceased. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're almost through talking about the sign gifts here. We're almost there. But I want you to see something here. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And uh, if you also want to talk about the... Well, look here. We'll, t- we'll go there before I say anything else. <coughs> verse number 8. Charity never faileth. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, look at what it says. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. The Bible says here, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. At this time, when 1 Corinthians was written, the Bible was not finished. It was still being written. There were books of the Bible that were not finished up. And so when you look at verse number 10, it says, when that which is perfect is come, what is that which is perfect? The complete word of God. When the complete word of God, when the last amen in Revelation was finished, the word of God was compiled and finished. And that which is in part will be done away. They don't need a sign anymore. They got it written down for them in the book. That's what the Bible's trying to tell us. And those gifts were temporary gifts that were to help people see the gospel, and it was a sign. That's what they were for. And you could look and you say, well, I still believe in speaking in tongues today. Then I'll give you one passage. I want you to read it on your own, and I want you to tell me how people biblically speak in tongues based on 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Read it on your own, and we'll talk more about that later. I will say this, and I'm not being bad when I say this or anything else, but a woman's not supposed to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14. That was biblical tongues when they were done. And I hear a lot that try to today. And that's not, that's not biblically how it was done. So look at, and you also are supposed to have an interpreter. The big difference from what we have today. I had a listening, I had, I had something on TV, it was, I, was, I think it was TBN, every once in a while, I just flipped it on, and this guy was just going to town preaching, he actually, he was doing really good for a minute, for a minute, he was doing really good, and then he started this gibber, and I'm like, what in the world is he doing? And then I realized he was speaking in tongues, and I didn't have a clue what he was doing. That's not biblical today. We have the complete word of God, and those people want to say that it's still a gift today, then let me see them follow the biblical procedures of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it pretty much stop most of our modern tongues movement that we have today anyways. And if people on Azusa Street wouldn't have got so happy one night, that would have helped the tongues thing kind of die down too when it got busy going on the Azusa Street revivals. But anyways, we'll leave all that there. Those are not the gifts I'm talking about that are mentioned in Romans chapter number 12. In Romans 12... There are permanent edifying gifts that God gives to his children to help them in the work of God. And so we go back to Romans chapter number 12, and we see a list of these things. And in this passage, as we see here, as we see these things, what I want you to see is, first of all, we see letter A, we see the work of gracious service. 
And what God wants us to do, he wants us to use our gifts to provide gracious service to him and to one another. That's why you are given a gift. And we can break the spiritual gifts down into two categories, basically. There are gifts of education and gifts of edification would be a great way to do it. I heard someone say that, and I like the way they said that, and that's why I'm sticking with it. And when you think about spiritual gifts, and I would encourage you, how many, and I'm, this is not a bragging moment or anything else, but how many of you would say you kind of have an idea what spiritual gift God has given to you? Every Christian should, because God doesn't want you ignorant to it. Now, you can go online, you can find spiritual gift tests all over the place. There are a dime a dozen, and some are really good, and some are not as good. But I would suggest you take a spiritual gift test. And if you want a suggestion of one, ask me, and I'll give you a link, and do it. And what needs to happen is we shouldn't be ignorant concerning the gifts that God's given to us. And in those areas, we talk about gifts for educating people. We see as we're back in Romans chapter number 12, the first one mentioned there in Romans 12 and verse number 6, the Bible says here, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, first one is mentioned is prophecy. And that just focuses on discernment and insight. Now, prophecy, the gift of prophecy is not a foretelling of future events. That stopped at the last amen in the book of Revelation. Because God gave us the scriptures and we see that there's a foretelling in scripture. Prophets, they foretold what was going to happen to Israel, Old Testament. The book of Revelation is a foretelling of what's going to happen in the end times. Jesus foretold of several things in Matthew that are going to happen later on. There, no one has the gift of foretelling today. I know when this is going to... That's not Bible. The gift of prophecy is being able to discern and give insight and knowing right and wrong and being able to give the scriptures. Another gift that's mentioned through here is the gift of teaching. And those with the gift of teaching have a God-given ability to clearly explain God's word to others. I'll tell you, the gift of teaching, God did not give me the gift of teaching. I work at it a lot. Teaching is not my thing. And you say, well, pastor, you're teaching us tonight. I'm a preacher. If I, if I were to tell you what going through things and studying scripture, I believe the spiritual gifts God's given me, the, the major ones... And this is the thing, just because you're good with one doesn't mean you shouldn't be trying to do them all. It just means there are things you've got to work extra hard at. Like, mercy's hard for me. It just is. That's, I don't know why, it just is. But prophesying, I believe that's God, the number one gift God gave to me. And then encouraging, that one, is, I can, that one would be another one on the list for me. Ruling, administration, low, 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 low. Mercy, low, low, low. But I am supposed to work on those things. They don't say, well, God gifted me here, and so I'm just not going to worry about the other things. No, all of them are important. Teaching is not one of my strong suits. I'm a preacher. I'm not a teacher, and there's a difference between the two. But you ever sit around, and you spend time around certain people, like Ryan, God has given him a gift of teaching. He's got it. I don't have it. I wish I did. There's others. I heard just the other day, um, I think that, um, Gary, I'm going to talk about you for a second. Peter was telling me that they go with you guys on Tuesdays to your nursing home now where you do. And he's like, man, he's like, Gary is a great teacher. He breaks things down. And that sounds to me like Gary's probably got the gift of teaching. That's what it sounds like. 
because he breaks the scriptures down and teaches it to you. You listen and you see the kids in Sunday school and Rick and Edna in their class. You know that either Rick or Edna or both of them, I'm not ever down there, I don't know who teaches and who doesn't, but one of them or whoever's teaching, they have the gift of teaching because the kids remember that stuff and they have a drill and they do really well with it. And so there are some people that God gives that gift to. There's the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation. That's the person who's a natural encourager and knows how to say right things at the right time and encourage people in the things of God. And those are the gifts (coughs) for educating people. And then you have the gifts for edifying people. And they're listed through here, the gift of ministering. And that focuses on acts of service. It involves simply helping with whatever needs to be done and serving with a willing heart. Marquise, ministering, this is one of his big ones. That, this is Mar- that's what Marquise does. I look around and we'll use ladies' ministry for an example. Joanne, I believe this is one of her gifts that God's given her. There are certain areas and things that, that it just comes, it's easier for them because that's where God gifted them. That doesn't make them any more special in any other area or any area. But it means that's what God's given, and they should be using those talents and abilities to further the work of God in those areas. And I could go around and go on and on about a lot of people. Giving's another one. And God blesses some with the ability to give in abundance. Some people, they are the cheerful givers that love. And then there's some of you who. But we're all supposed to be a cheerful giver, correct? That's Bible. And giving is a spiritual gift, but it should be practiced by everyone. 1 Corinthians 16.2, and don't lose sight of it, the Bible is very clear. It says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered, that there be no gatherings when I come. And it's something that all Christians should practice, but giving is a gift, a spiritual gift. The gift of, if we were to look at another one, the gift of ruling. That would be administration. It's able to dig deep and see details. Normally people that are organized, uh, the gift of ruling would be someone who's real organized and has a mind for that stuff. That's not me. You can go in my office and check the drawers in my office and you can see that I'm not a very organized person. And then when I get real organized with something, it only takes me a day or two to lose all that organization. And I know one of my children follows in my footsteps there, Alyssa. You and I are on the same page when it comes to that one. And you and I frustrate mommy every once in a while because we both are not very organized and mom likes to have everything organized. But it's good for mom to have patience and, long, and mercy with us in that area. We're helping her learn her spiritual gifts and get where she needs to be. But all these things, and those are just a quick overview of some of the gifts that God's given to us, but God gives you, and you need to figure out what those gifts are in your life. And you need to be using those for the glory of God to, to meet the needs of others. As you love one another, as you admonish, as you serve, as you be kind and forgive, do all those things, use the gifts that God's given you for that. And you might say, Pastor, I don't think I have any gift. That's not true. Because the, God gives everyone gifts and some as i said they might be really well in several and then there might be just one that you're and it doesn't matter right because in the body there are many members and every member matters so if your gift is not that great of a gift it's still a gift and god's given you a specific task for you to use that gift for him 
work of, when we talk about this, as we look, work of gracious service, and then letter B, work with a gracious spirit. Not only are we to use our gifts for gracious service, but we are to work with a gracious spirit. And although you think about this, every Christian has different strengths and weaknesses when it comes to gifts. We can choose to follow the commands that God's given to every Christian, or we can be cynical and selfish in our service and do things our way. But God's commanded us to follow Him and to serve Him with a loving spirit. What does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 1? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And you go on, though you have all prophecy, though you have all knowledge, and yet you don't have love, it literally means nothing. 1 John 3.18, the Bible tells us, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. <coughs> we look back at our text where we are, as those gifts are all given in verse 6 through 8 there. Look at verse number 9, verse 9 and 10. Let love be without dissimulation. Pour that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. You think about this tonight. God wants the work in his church to be done with sincere love. Do you see that word dissimulation? That's a big word that we kind of look at and we don't quite know what dissimulation means. Now, I know we probably have a couple people in here that are, you know, smarty pants in here. I'm sure Ryan can raise his hand and tell us right away what dissimulation means. There might be a few others. Or you have a Bible that's got a definition next to it. But do you know what it means? So it goes through these lists. Think about the progression here in Romans chapter number 12. The first two verses, Paul tells the believers through inspiration that because of all the Lord has done and all we've talked about leading up to this point, that you should be a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And Christian, don't get into that faulty thinking that you're superior to anybody else because God's given you everything that you have and the gifts that you have, God's given to you. And God's placed you in a church. And there are many members in that one body. And all members in that body, they don't hold the same office. They don't do all the same things. But God's put them together, and being many, we're one body in Christ. And then it says, these are the gifts that God, the, the Spirit's given. And then it says, let love be without dissimulation. The word dissimulation means hypocrisy or two-facedness. God doesn't want us acting apart, but serving with love and humility and putting others first. That's how he wants it done. You look in verse number 10 there, it says, in honor, preferring one another. Hey, couples, in our marriages, we ought to be preferring one another. In our churches, we can look for ways to be an encouragement to one another. Godly Christians put others first. You cannot be a godly Christian and not put others first. Instead of thinking of your own needs and your own wants first, we should be looking at how we can serve one another. And one of the things that needs to happen in a church, we get so focused on ourselves and all the things we have going on in life, 
we lose sight of being able to reach out and help someone else. That's what the Bible talks about in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But look at this, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And genuine concern and responsive love are, a, and are important. That's what God wants from us. Loving others is more important than any gift. Because if we don't do it with love, it means absolutely nothing. And God warns us we cannot edify the church when we are concerned about self. When we heed his warnings and exercise our gifts according to his plan for the church, we can make a difference for the cause of Christ and help get the gospel to the world around us. Imagine a church in which the members possess diverse gifts and use them to serve one another in love. That's how Jesus Christ intended it to be. I'll say this again. What we need today is a church where the members possess diverse gifts and use them to serve one another in love. That's a New Testament Bible church. That's how the body of Christ should act. What a beautiful portrait of peace and unity that would set God's people apart from the world if that's the way our churches would be. How can we as the body of believers live up to God's wonderful plan for his church? Well, first of all, we need to humbly recognize that our gifts come from God. Secondly, we ought to realize that our gifts are unique and meant to be used to serve one another. Every member is responsible to maintain the unity of the church. And finally, we should put others before ourselves and serve our fellow members with a gracious spirit. It would change our church if we would take those verses in Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through verse number 10, and apply them to our lives. And quit thinking more of ourselves than we should. And realize God's given us everything. And work at maintaining unity and have, make it our goal in our relationships to have unity. And then to take the gifts that God's given to us. And if you don't know what your gifts are, you need to learn what they are. You talk to me, I will help you. And as a pastor, I believe that's one of my jobs, to help you figure out what your spiritual gift is and to be able to use it for the glory of God. You know, we talked about this morning, I mentioned one of the services, and some people think the church is the pastor's job to do it. He should do all the different things. And there are people that believe that. That's not what the Bible says. The pastor needs to be busy in prayer and in the Word. And then you could look at Ephesians chapter number 4. My job is to also equip you to do the work of the ministry. And if I'm the only one busy doing ministry and I don't equip you and help get you the tools you need to do ministry as you're supposed to, I'm failing to do the job that God's called me to do as pastor of a local church. You need to learn your spiritual gift and use that gift for the glory of God and to do the work of the ministry. And so let's pray together and seek to be doing the things of God. And as we go further into this series of messages Let's get this idea, let's get our eyes off of self, and let's get our eyes on one another and be what God's called us to be. Choose to be someone who serves 
not someone who sits. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had tonight.